This is a journey into sound. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Welcome to Cryptique. I'm joined as always by a man who says giving up alcohol was the worst 20 minutes of his life. What's up, Brian? I'm just glad those 20 minutes are over, man. <laughs> I don't know how these people can make this mistake over and over. I hear you. I didn't raise no quitter. <laughs> All right. Well, we ask that you subscribe and tell a friend as always and if there's a topic you want us to cover just shoot us an email at crypticpodcast at gmail.com you can now look for us on facebook twitter instagram truth social gab and float so we're all over the place now we're gonna try and get out into the community a little bit more and find out a little bit more of what you guys are looking for so what are we talking about tonight ryan Tonight we are talking about sound bombing. Alright. Sound bombing? Yeah. We sound bombing them, baby. Are there certain frequencies used to heal, help you sleep, help you study, or help you dream? Can those frequencies also be used to instill fear, panic, and even damage internal organs? First, let's talk a little bit about the Astroworld tragedy at a Travis Scott concert. Will and Charles wrote an article in the opinion section of the Conservative Christian News titled Travis Scott, Mass Hypnosis, and the Music Industry's Wide Open Portal to Hell. The new normal is anything but normal. I've learned to tune the programming out, but the fact remains we are all targets of psychological warfare, of trauma-based mind control. It is done by the media through the repetition and replay of traumatic, shocking events. By exaggerating fear in order to bypass critical thinking. It's done with imagery and symbols that are mostly ignored by the active mind, but speak directly to the subconscious mind. A type of hypnosis. Traumatic, tragic, and fear-inducing events like what happened at the Travis Scott concert at Astroworld Houston become symbolic milestones in our lives. Implanted deeply into the subconscious mind by people who know how group psychology works. Furthermore, we're in an abusive relationship with government and media. They tell us what to think and then punish us for deviating from their script. It's classical abuse and we are the abused. In the Travis Scott Astroworld event, at least eight people died in the audience as Travis Scott mumble-wrapped over their dead bodies in a ghastly sea of very clear satanic symbolism and imagery. Hold on just a second. Did you see the video by any chance? A long time ago. Yeah, so he's literally like on a pillar over these people that are dying, watching it happen, and continues to rap. Uh, Tim McGraw saw somebody hit a woman at one of his concerts, and he stopped the concert, grabbed the guy, pulled him up on stage, and had security take him away. That's how you should run your show i mean i just can't imagine continuing the show with people dying in front of me right 
Now, investigators are hoping that video from that music festival tragedy helps them piece together exactly what went wrong. MSNBC anchor Lindsay Reiser joins us now with a minute-by-minute -minute breakdown. Lindsay, help us understand what happened here. Walk us through some of these videos we're seeing. From the moment the doors to Astroworld opened, there was chaos at NRG Park. At 2 p.m., a stampede of concertgoers exploded through security gates, with dozens being trampled in the process. Where your feet were placed is where your feet stayed the whole night. Concertgoers told NBC News that around 8.30 p.m., the crowd began to compress and push, making moving, even breathing difficult. According to a video analysis by NBC News, by 9.12 p.m., people in the crowd could be heard screaming for help. At 9.32 p.m., a young woman is seen attempting to alert the same camera operator. She steps in front of the camera, but the concert continues. By 9.38 p.m., a mass casualty event has been declared, and Live Nation agrees to cut the show short. Three minutes later, security officials are seen running through the pit. At 9.42 p.m., Travis Scott pauses the concert midway through a song and asks security to help someone who's gone unconscious. At almost the exact same time, part of the crowd can be heard chanting, Stop the show! As a member of the security team alerts the staff to multiple people without pulses. By 9.54 p.m., Drake has taken the stage, and a number of concertgoers are seen standing on top of an emergency vehicle. At 10.11 p.m., Travis Scott finishes his set, and the concert ends, more than 30 minutes after a mass casualty event was declared. Eight people in the crowd died that night. As Vigilant Citizen reports, the Astroworld Festival took place on November 5th, 2021, which is a few days after Samhain, the ancient festival of death and sacrifice. The week around November 1st is known to be the time of year when the veil between this world and the underworld is the thinnest. In occult circles, Samhain is still observed and it is celebrated with animal and human sacrifices. Appropriately enough, everything about Astroworld is all about a doorway to another world. The first story had something to do with people being injected by someone in the audience with a syringe and then falling unconscious and dying of heart attacks. It's very dark and very magnetic, tapping into an undercurrent of cultural fascination about death, ritual, sacrifice, and yes, Satanism. It's about the frequency or vibration that the content carries. The Travis Scott story stuck in my mind for the last few days and compelled me to write this article, as I want to be certain that the significance of what the music industry is doing is not overlooked or swept under the rug. But that's exactly what's already happening. Look, the only place in our culture where you will regularly find overtly satanic and demonic messaging, symbolism, and imagery is the music industry, especially the rap music industry. No matter how much blood, guts, bizarre sex rituals, demonic costumery, dead bodies, murder, dismemberment, and torture they parade before your eyes, you're not supposed to call it for what it is. But now it's so over-the-top obvious that people around the world are calling it like they see it. Astroworld was a satanic sacrifice, and friends, it really doesn't get much more blatant than this. Psychological manipulation comes in many forms, but one of the most insidious and cruel is what is known as gaslighting. Gaslighting is a form of manipulation that occurs in abusive relationships. It is an insidious and sometimes covert type of emotional abuse where the bully or abuser makes the target question their judgments and reality. Ultimately, the victim of gaslighting starts to wonder if they are losing their sanity. 
and the mainstream media is already doing this about the Travis Scott story. The Guardian ran a piece on this event calling out the connection to Satanism as a conspiracy theory. Then, without even exploring why so many people would feel that way, they launched into a bunch of BS by experts warning us of how misinformation is spread on the web. And we'll get into that article in just a second, but I mean, it was obviously satanic based. You can tell from the imagery and I don't see how people can dispute that. What I will say is that the music industry has been doing that forever. It's not a new thing. Like I think that sometimes people notice something and then don't look back at how things were in the 80s or even the 70s. I mean, think about all the uh, rock bands, metal bands and stuff that were basically exploiting Satanism to show how they're such rebels and how they're the misfits of society. And I, I just think that's what's happening with the rap industry right now doesn't mean that Travis Scott isn't a piece of shit for rapping over people that are dying. His fans that paid tons of money to come watch him are being injected, killed, trampled, etc. So it's a horrible thing. I mean, like Judas Priest and Led Zeppelin. And it's yeah, all a cult. Yeah, that kind of imagery used to be sort of just a pop culture shorthand for being edgy, or like you said, you know, the rebel or the outcast. Absolutely. All right. So The Guardian reported, quote, Despite its absurdity, the theory has steadily gained traction with phrases such as Astro World Demonic, Astro World Illuminati, and Astro World Upside Down Cross trending among other Astro World content on the platform. Experts say the viral misinformation illustrates how young social media users are increasingly susceptible to fringe conspiracy theories despite their reputation as savvy digital natives. Videos of the Astro World crowd crushed that killed eight people flooded TikTok over that weekend, but conspiracy theories have also flourished alongside the graphic footage accusing the rapper, Travis Scott, who founded and performed at the festival, of orchestrating a massive satanic ritual. That's not what Cryptique is saying. We're not saying that he definitely did that. I'm not saying he didn't. He very well could have. I'm calling him out for not stopping the show. That is demonic and evil in its own right. The article goes on to uh, quote some of the comments that people made. This ain't a festival, it's a sacrifice. The music industry is demonic and collects souls. So we have this stereotype of conspiracy theorists being older people on social media, but young people can in some ways be more susceptible, said Jennifer Stromer Galley, a professor studying social media platforms at Syracuse. So they always use conspiracy theorists negatively, and I prefer Truth Seeker myself, but there's so many conspiracy theories that have been proven right 20 years later. 30 years later, 50 years later, but yet we're all supposed to believe, oh, everybody's on the up and up. They would never do that to us again. And then 10 years later, well, yeah, they did do that, but 
I mean, this is for real. They definitely wouldn't do that again. They do it again. At what point is conspiracy theorist not a bad word or thought-canceling phrase? So that's all I really have to say on this Astro World thing. I've heard interviews with the late Triple Extension or whatever his name is. Can you can you even say his name? Triple X Extension, Extension, XXX Tentation, XXX Tentation, XXX Tentation. Today we're here with XXX Tentation. XXX Tentation. Where they talk about using specific frequencies to cause a hypnosis. And it could be as innocent as I want this music to be stuck in your head because I want you to buy it. But it could also be, I don't know, I want to fuck with people. What's the point of music? You don't know? It's not always to have fun. It's not always to have fun. Sometimes it's to help people find themselves because music is frequency programming. Music is frequency. What frequency are you being fed? I'm got like let me let me let me let me let me, let me be detailed. At 15 years old, I was doing um, sound engineering, so I was playing with frequency. I was playing with equalizers. Now, I basically I figured I figured out that hertz is to understand the frequency vibration, right? There's hertz, kilohertz, megahertz, right? And then there's I think it's ultrahertz. If I play with those frequencies, right, I can target certain parts of the mind target the frequency to go to certain parts of the mind and i can literally like if i want you to astral project right you know what astral projection is if i want you to ask if i want you to astral project or if i want you to go to sleep or if i want you to go into a meditative state i can make my music do that so they use kind of uh binaural beats tell us about the binaural beats ryan a binaural beat is an illusion created by the brain when you listen to two tones with slightly different frequencies at the same time. Your brain interprets the two tones of the beat of its own. The two tones align with your brain waves to produce a beat with a different frequency. This frequency is the difference in hertz between the frequencies of the two tones. For example, if you are listening to a 440 hertz tone with your left ear, in a 444 hertz tone with your right ear, you would be hearing a 4 hertz tone. When you listen to binaural beats, your brain activity matches the frequency set by the frequency of the beat. This is called the frequency following effect. This means you can use binaural beats to entrain your mind to reach a certain mental state. Located in the brainstem, the superior olivary complex is the first part of the brain that processes sound input from both ears. The superior olivary complex synchronizes various activities in the many neurons in the brain. This complex responds when it hears two close frequencies and creates a binaural beat, which changes the brain waves. The synchronization of the neural activities across the brain is called entrainment. Entrainment isn't just related to binaural beats. It is a common part of brain function. According to some researchers, when you listen to certain binaural beats, they can increase the strength of certain brain waves. This can increase or hold back different brain functions that control thinking and feeling. Neurons in your brain use electrical signals to create thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. When neurons synchronize, this creates brain waves. Brain waves can be measured by a technique called electro. Damn it! The brain waves. Brain waves can be measured by a technique called electroencephal. 
with electroencephalography, or EEG. Can I try it again, or should we just randomly have you have one line in there? All right. <clears throat> Thanks for the rescue. This technique involves electrodes put on the scalp to record electoral signals. Brainwaves can range from low frequency to high amplitude and high frequency to low amplitude. The brainwaves create binaural beats. This leads to different mental states which affect the brain in different ways. There are five different brainwaves. Delta, 1 to 4 hertz. Delta is the lowest frequency state and it's linked to deep sleep, healing and pain relief, meditation, anti-aging, cortisol reduction, DHEA increase, and access to the unconscious mind. Theta, 4 to 8 hertz. Theta binaural beats benefits include meditation, deep relaxation, and creativity. Alpha, 8 to 14 hertz. When you are in an alpha state of mind, your brain is focused and productive. Alpha brain waves help you to relax and focus, reduce stress, Maintain positive thinking, increase your learning capabilities, and easily engage in activities in the environment because you are in a state of flow. Beta, 14 to 30 hertz. Beta is a higher frequency brainwave and helps in keeping your attention focused, analytical thinking and solving problems, stimulating energy and action, and high-level cognition. Gamma, 30 to 100 hertz. With a higher frequency than beta, these brain waves help in increased cognitive enhancement, attention to detail, helping in memory recall, a different way of thinking, and also oh. hulking out. Gamma. Because they're it. gamma. There is a lack of clinical research for binaural beats. The evidence for the frequency following effect is conflicting and inconclusive. Talk to your doctor before trying to use binaural beats for any health reasons. But benefits of binaural beats include, potentially, increased creativity and cognitive enhancement, reduced anxiety and improved mood, helping you enter a meditative state, improved sleeping habits, and helping to improve focus, attention, and memory retention. Well, let's talk about some of the side effects, too. Some studies have linked binaural beats to increased feelings of depression. Some people who listened to binaural beats experienced short bursts of anxiety, anger, and confusion that lasted for a short time. However, there is inconclusive research supporting binaural beats as a standalone medical treatment tool. Binaural beat therapy can't be used in place of conventional therapy, but it could be used as a complementary strategy if discussed with a doctor.
Research shows that binary beats are good for mental health as it's linked to encouraging positive feelings. As many binaural beats are freely available, the reactions to the beats vary from one individual to another. Individuals need to experiment with different binary beats to find ones that suit them. The effectiveness of binaural beats depends on the listener. Some people will find the beats effective, others might find them irritating and unproductive. So we're definitely not giving any medical advice, but I have found that alpha waves do help me relax. Now, there's also the placebo effect because that's what I expect to happen. So you like to talk about, you know, putting intention out there. I think that might have a little something to do with how effective it is for me. I mean, I agree that expecting a result uh, usually means that you're going to experience it or think that you're experiencing it. I mean, that's what the placebo effect is. Although, I don't know, you can get into kind of semantic arguments as to, you know, if the effect is happening, placebo or not, the thing that you're doing is working. Yeah. So I just pulled from an advertisement. This is an unnamed sound hypnosis therapist advertisement. Okay. Should I do it with uh, the the my pillow guy voice? <laughs> That's not a good advertisement. <laughs> hey, the effects of sound healing are just crazy like quantum healing over here. <laughs> you got to have a just do a priest or a wizard or something. I'll imagine Joel Osteen with his eyes closed because he's so full of shit. Oh, God. All right. This revolutionary therapeutic combination of sound healing and hypnosis allows for multidimensional quantum healing going deeper and deeper through the layers of the physical, mental, spiritual, and energetic bodies. Allowing access to the subconscious mind, which is a reservoir of feelings, thoughts, urges, and memories from this life and beyond that are outside of our conscious awareness. By accessing the subconscious mind, hypnosis can help you clear negative thoughts and untruths, behaviors, emotions, energy, trauma, anxiety, depression, and more. The subconscious can show you the root cause of physical, mental, and emotional issues and help clear and release them. Releasing stuck emotions and any entities, negative energy, self-defeating relationship patterns, and negative self-talk. Releasing anything blocking you from living your best life with peace and joy while bringing you clarity. The subconscious mind can also take some people into their past lives to understand their pain, feelings, and behaviors in this life. People who have experienced this combination of sound therapy and hypnosis say they feel euphoric, peaceful, rejuvenated, calm, happy, and exhilarated all at the same time. It can be a life-altering experience. We have created an amazing new experience and healing modality. While you relax in a private session, lying on the vibroacoustic sound bed with healing targeted frequencies chosen just for you, being played directly into every cell of your body through the bed. The RN, BSN, Master Sound Healer, Clinical Sound Therapist, Master Sound Healing Therapy Practitioner, Teacher, and Hypnotist takes you into a relaxed, peaceful, vibrational state, completely clearing your mind with a live sound bath of ancient Egyptian sistrums, vocal toning, drums, gongs, an assortment of many chimes, sensula, monochord harp, and other soothing sounds, frequencies, and vibrations lowering your brainwave state into the alpha and theta states of consciousness. 
Then, a certified hypnotist, psychic medium, and spiritual guide uses her advanced hypnosis techniques to gently guide you into a trance state, allowing you to go deep into your subconscious mind. From this trance state, she guides you through the releasing and healing on a multi-dimensional level. After which, she leaves you in your happy, relaxed place as the sounds and vibration of quartz crystal singing bowls continue to transform your mind, body, and spirit into a state of transcendence. Peaceful chimes and birds begin to bring you back into your normal waking state, fully alert and feeling amazing. So that's an advertisement. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot to try and guarantee. That is a lot. <laughs> I don't know what kind of business card this person would have with 15 different specialties on there. It's like, you know, generally there's the phrase I'm sure you've heard, a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. It kind of sounds like if you're trying to be 15 different things, it's really going to preclude you from being a master of one or like really really good at a couple but anyway um, also i think we should point out to the audience i mean we joke about flubbing a lot those don't usually make it in we mm -hmm. went through that in one go that's we did true not flub even when we're talking about the master sound healing therapy practical teacher like i was reading that as i was going and i was like oh my god i can't like when these words can i stop <laughs> you know what? I mean, if you want to sponsor the show, let us know. We'll do live reads for you like yeah, that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, no problem. So we'll talk about the mysterious Taos hum after a quick break. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy. And if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie How on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Sound bombing? Yeah. So now we'll read the article, The Mystery of the Taos Hum of New Mexico, written by C. Morris on April 16th of 2022. Imagine hearing a persistent hum. You can't get it out of your head, and worse, you can't find the source. You lose sleep, perpetually uncomfortable. I'd find myself with my ears pressed to the walls and floors, Yvonne Connor told the Financial Times. 
I used to sit in our front room after tea, and at around 7 o'clock every night I'd go, it's coming. It's frustrating. Not everyone can hear the hum, leaving the people who can hear it to defend their own experience. When nobody else can hear it, you think you're going nuts, and it just wears you down, a person in Cambridgeshire, England, told The Guardian. According to Discover Magazine, many people around the world, somewhere between 2 and 5%, hear a continuous low-grade sound often described as a hum. Seldom taken seriously by scientists, hum hearers continue to suffer. Taos, New Mexico has a large concentration of hum hearers. Hum hearers is like a really, it's like, a, it's a mumble rap. An historic arts colony known for its galleries and stunning natural features is high on the list of global hum hotspots, writes Life Science. Reports of the Taos hum begin in the 1990s. Unlike other global hums, the local scientific community took the issue seriously. The University of New Mexico, Los Alamos National Laboratory, Phillips Air Force Laboratory, and Sandia National Laboratories participated in the research, reports Fox New Mexico. The study found that 2% of Taos residents heard the hum. The research teams brought sound equipment to the houses of those who hear the hum, though nothing of note was detected. The report's conclusion read, we are left with a mystery. To make matters more opaque, descriptions of the hum varied wildly. Some New Mexicans reported a whirring, while others said it sounded more like a buzz, writes Life Science. According to Fox New Mexico, others called it an E-flat note or a powerful bass woofer. The hum hearers of New Mexico are not alone. Starting around the 1950s, people began reporting the hum globally, says How Stuff Works. Dr. Glenn McPherson, a Canadian high school teacher with a PhD in education and a penchant for data collection, created the World Hum Map and Database Project. The website documents global instances of the hum. McPherson hopes that researchers will one day use the data to find the hum's source, and even better, a solution, reports Discover Magazine. Purple dots representing hum reports scatter across Dr. McPherson's global map, highly concentrated in the U.S. and Western Europe. For now, the data goes mostly unused. You know, this leads me, and I'm sure that there's been scientific studies done on it, but maybe some of this technology, I mean, there's technology all over the United States. There's technology all over Western Europe. And we could say around the world, sure, but let's be honest, those are the places where you're going to definitely find a lot of technology. Now, maybe five gigahertz, you know, cellular signal or Wi-Fi or whatever doesn't put out a hum. And maybe, you know, a, a certain other frequency doesn't put out a hum. But when you put them together, who knows? Who knows? Right? I mean, sound is vibrating air. So right. let's talk about dangerous vibrations. And I'm not talking about Ryan's high school nickname either. <laughs> Locating and eliminating the source of the hum could be life-saving for the 2% of the world's population that hears it. Low-grade sound can be dangerous. For example, while humans stop hearing at 20 hertz, listening to 19 hertz prevents listeners from seeing straight. It's the frequency at which eyeballs vibrate. Even scarier, lower frequencies can damage internal organs. Loud noises are causes for concern, too. Noise at 185 decibels can kill a person, as reported in the Financial Times. Not surprisingly, those who hear the hum experience a range of illnesses, including nausea and fatigue. 
Others report memory loss and headaches, says Discover Magazine. Hearing is a unique sense. Unlike sight, where you can close your eyes, we can't simply close our ears, making the hum particularly maddening. I'm literally crying at night. It seems to get louder and louder and louder, one hum hearer told the BBC. Governments and law enforcement agencies have used various noises as weapons because of their maddening and debilitating effects. The New Republic reports that law enforcement agencies have used weapons called long-range acoustic devices, or LARDs, on protesters in Ferguson, Missouri, and on Somali pirates. So basically, what we're talking about is an extreme siren, right? Right. Like, you know, when people talk on a megaphone, it's almost unbearable for me. I cannot stand a, a voice on a megaphone. Basically, like your fire alarm, right? Your smoke detector is going to put a sound out that is so horrible that you have to get out of the house. So even people that maybe don't understand what's going on, they wake up in a dream state, kids or animals, everybody is like, I have to get out of the house now. I cannot stand that noise. I know because when I'm trying to change the freaking batteries, they always beep right when I'm about to touch it and it scares the shit out of me. But I mean, that's basically what we're talking about is a sound like that that is so loud and powerful and in some cases below what the human can hear but still affects you that these long-range acoustic devices are. Uh, long story short. Additionally, Waveband Corporation's mod excess deterrent using sound audio, and if we're talking about uh, satanic imagery, how about that name, Medusa? It uses microwaves to create uncomfortable sounds in the victim's head. And they say that these things are non-lethal, but we don't necessarily know what kind of damage can be done because there just haven't been enough studies. Even unintentional noise can be deadly. The World Health Organization reported that in the European Union, roughly 10,000 people die each year due to chronic sound exposure. Theories about the hum range from industrial sound pollution to UFOs, explains Live Science. An associate professor of engineering specializing in acoustics at the University of Windsor, Colin Novak, told Discover Magazine that he thinks the global hum may have an underground source. He suggests the movement of tectonic plates or volcanic activity causes the hum. According to Live Science, some think the issue might be internal rather than environmental. Our ears produce their own noise, called spontaneous autoacoustic emission. Typically, we can only hear those inner ear sounds when all other external sounds are removed. Others think that those who can hear the hum have extraordinarily good hearing and can detect frequencies that many cannot. That might explain how 98% of the Taos population didn't report hearing the hum. However, the fact that sensitive sound equipment cannot also pick up the frequencies calls this theory into question. Other theories include harmless auditory hallucinations, says Life Science. Novak notes that because few credible scientific studies have looked into the hum, conspiracy theories run rampant. Of course. Online forums claim the hum is a sign of impending doom, ghosts, or the breaking of the seventh seal. Unfortunately, the prevalence of conspiratorial ideas scares serious scientists away from the hum. 
They don't want to be associated with the pseudoscience and internet kooks. This fear keeps credible research at bay, reports Discover Magazine. Are they talking about us? I feel a little bit I feel a little bit attacked, yeah. I mean I'm a kook anywhere, so Are we internet kooks? Yeah, but it's it's sad because basically what they're saying is there's conspiracy theories surrounding it so they definitely don't want to in- investigate it. Right. Because if they investigate it and find out that it's actually happening, then it's no longer a conspiracy theory and god forbid that anybody lets a conspiracy be proven correct. Like they they're so afraid of it. I don't understand because if I was someone who, you know, just didn't believe in any of this, I would think, okay, well, I'll find the real cause and shut everybody up. But they don't even investigate, and that's sad. Yeah. Hope for hum hearers. Audiologist David Bagley asserts that the hum source could combine several previous theories. He thinks that those with sensitive hearing could first detect a low frequency sound caused by environmental conditions. Then, the hearer becomes fixated on that sound, causing anxiety-produced auditory hallucinations. In a sense, the body creates a feedback loop. The more the person focuses on the sound, the more the body responds by amplifying the sound, Begley told the Financial Times. While his idea is still unproven, he suggests that the sound could remain inside the hearer's body after the external sound is stopped. This absence could be why the researchers in Taos, New Mexico were left stymied. One solution has seemed to help those who hear the hum. Jeff Leventhal, an acoustics consultant, grew frustrated with the fruitless searches for the hum's source. Instead, he focused his attention on soothing the hum hearer's symptoms. He told the Financial Times, We won't measure any more noise. We'll try and help people accommodate to it. He and others created an online cognitive behavioral therapy course with positive results. Of the course's success, Leventhal says, some even say that we've saved their lives. Leventhal's work could continue to save many more lives. At least one person has died by suicide because of the hum, reported How Stuff Works. This danger means that symptom-easing treatments like Leventhal's could lead to an important and impactful relief for hum hearers worldwide. Fortunately, researchers have identified some hum sources. This success might indicate that the global hum is many isolated instances. In Borneo, a sound startled and frightened residents for two days in 2012. Many equated the noises to loud snoring. That might have just been me. I don't know where I was in 2012. (laughs) Quickly, investigators discovered the source, a factory performing tests on its boiler system, reports Life Science. Similarly, a hum in Kokomo, Indiana, was identified as a fan and compressor at an industrial site, writes the Financial Times. Even stranger, in the 1980s, a hum reported by residents of Sausalito, California. That's right. That's how I'm going to pronounce that. Was pinpointed as the mating call of a fish. The plain fin midshipman, according to New Republic. A more notable instance occurred in 2011. Residents of Windsor, Canada began to report an intermittent hum, sometimes lasting a few hours at a time. After complaints continued to rise, the government stepped in and funded a study. In 2013, researchers out of Windsor University identified the sound and the source of the problem. 
The Windsor hum was a 35 hertz airborne sound wave, most likely emanating from the location of a U.S. steel plant on Zug Island, just across the U.S.-Canada border. Unfortunately, neither the U.S. government nor U.S. Steel cooperated with the study, so Canadian researchers could not do further investigations. Luckily, in 2020, U.S. Steel closed the plant and the noise ceased, says Discover Magazine. Stories like these suggest that when substantial efforts are put into uncovering a home source, it can be found. Let's take a second to get a word from our sponsor, and then we'll hear about sound being used for evil. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Sound bombing? Yeah. Havana Syndrome. Symptoms. Hearing a sudden loud noise, pain in one or both ears, feeling of pressure, vibrations in the head, tinnitus, visual problems, vertigo, nausea, and cognitive difficulties. Havana Syndrome is an alleged set of medical symptoms with unknown causes experienced mostly abroad by U.S. government officials and military personnel. The symptoms range in severity from pain and ringing in the ears to cognitive difficulties and were first reported in 2016 by U.S. and Canadian Embassy staff in Havana, Cuba. Beginning in 2017, more people, including U.S. intelligence and military personnel and their families, reported having these symptoms in other places such as China, India, Europe, and of course, Washington, D.C. The U.S. Department of State has referred to the events as, quote, unexplained health incidents, while the CIA director William Burns has publicly called them attacks. While there is no expert consensus on the syndrome's cause, an expert committee of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine concluded in December 2020 that microwave energy, specifically directed pulse RF energy, appears to be the most plausible mechanism in explaining these cases among those that the committee considered, but that each possible cause remains speculative. Other potential causes that have been proposed have included ultrasound, pesticides, or mass psychogenic illness. I know what psychogenic illness is, but why don't you tell us, Ryan? Yep, a psychogenic illness, as defined by the Googles, is an illness having a psychological origin or cause rather than a physical one. The U.S. intelligence services have not reached a consensus on or a formal determination of the cause of Havana syndrome, though U.S. intelligence and government officials have expressed suspicions to the press that Russian military intelligence is responsible. Then why not? In January 2022, the CIA issued an interim assessment concluding that the syndrome is not the result of, quote, a sustained global campaign by a hostile power, end quote. So, I mean, that doesn't say much. I mean, it's not a sustained global campaign, just means that they're, they're not continuing to do it to everybody. It doesn't exclude, you know, an embassy getting hit or something like that. So, right. 
In February of 2022, a panel of experts assembled by the Biden administration released an executive summary stating that stress or psychosomatic reactions could not explain some of the incidents of Havana syndrome it had reviewed, and that radio waves could have caused some of the injuries of the CIA officers and diplomats. Back in August 2017, reports began surfacing that American and Canadian diplomatic personnel in Cuba had experienced unusual, unexplained health problems dating to late 2016. The original 21 events in Cuba were characterized as starting with strange grating noises coming from a specific direction. Some people experienced pressure, vibration, or a sensation comparable to driving a car with a window partly rolled down, which I think would probably refer to that kind of buffeting sounds and that that vibration feeling. Yeah, it, it is very unpleasant and most cars have it now yeah like their Ford with their cab forward design and yeah yeah these noises lasted from 20 seconds to 30 minutes and happened while the diplomats were either at home or in hotel rooms other people nearby including family members and guests in neighboring rooms did not experience the same symptoms some u.s embassy workers have experienced lasting health problems including an unidentified diplomat who now needs a hearing aid The U.S. State Department declared that the health problems were either the result of an attack or due to exposure to an unknown device and declared that it was not blaming the Cuban government and would not say who was to blame. Affected people described symptoms such as hearing loss, memory loss, and nausea. Speculation centered around a sonic weapon, with some researchers pointing to infrasound as a possible cause. So let's talk about infrasound for just a second. Infrasound is pressure waves or sound waves that we cannot hear. It's generally extremely low and elephants use it to communicate over long distances. Alligators use it and tigers use it to like stun their prey. It's similar to like what a dolphin will do when they, you know, hit a fish with a sonic blast and it kind of knocks it stupid for a second and then they grab it. So that's what we're talking about with infrasound. Go ahead. No, I'm laughing about knocking them stupid. (laughs) In August 2017, the United States expelled two Cuban diplomats in retaliation for perceived Cuban responsibility. The next month, the U.S. State Department stated that it was removing non-essential staff from the U.S. Embassy and warned U.S. citizens not to travel to Cuba. In October of 2017, President Trump said he believed that Cuba was responsible for the occurrences, calling them a very unusual attack. In response to the incidents, the U.S. State Department announced in March of 2018 that it would continue to staff its embassy in Havana at the minimum level required to perform core diplomatic and consular functions. The embassy had been operated under ordered departure status. A November 2018 report in The New Yorker found that the FBI's investigation into the incidents was stymied by conflict with the CIA and the State Department. The CIA was reluctant to reveal even to other U.S. government agencies, the identities of affected officers because of concern about possible leaks. Federal rules on the privacy of employee medical records also hindered the investigation. In January of 2018, at the direction of Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, the State Department convened an Accountability Review Board, which is an internal State Department mechanism to review security incidents involving diplomatic personnel. 
a retired United States ambassador to Libya was chosen to lead the board. In March 2018, MRI scans and other tests taken by a chief neurologist in Pittsburgh on an unspecified number of Canadian diplomats showed evidence of brain damage that mirrored the injuries some of their American counterparts had faced. In early 2018, Global Affairs Canada ended family postings to Cuba and withdrew all staff with families. Several of the Canadians who were affected in 2017 were reported to still be unable to resume their work due to the severity of their ailments. The lack of knowledge of the cause of Havana Syndrome had made it challenging for the RCMP to investigate. In 2019, the Canadian government announced that it was reducing its embassy staff in Havana after a 14th Canadian diplomat reported symptoms of Havana Syndrome in late December of 2018. In February of 2019, several Canadian diplomats sued the Canadian government, arguing that it failed to protect them or promptly address serious health concerns. In court filings, the government acknowledged that several of the 14 plaintiffs in the suit had concussion-like symptoms, but said that no definitive cause or medical diagnosis had been ascertained. After the incident was made public, the Cuban foreign minister accused the U.S. of lying about the incident and denied Cuban involvement in or knowledge of the cause of the health problems the diplomats experienced. The Cuban government offered to cooperate with the U.S. in an investigation of the incidents. It employed about 2,000 scientists and law enforcement officers who interviewed 300 neighbors of diplomats, examined two hotels, and medically examined non-diplomats who could have been exposed. NBC reported that Cuban officials stated that they analyzed air and soil samples and considered a range of toxic chemicals. They also examined the possibility that electromagnetic waves were to blame, and even looked into whether insects could be the culprit but found nothing they could link to the claimed medical symptoms. The FBI and Cuban authorities met to discuss the situation. The Cubans stated that the U.S. neither agreed to share the diplomats' medical records with Cuban authorities, nor allowed Cuban investigators access to U.S. diplomats' homes to conduct tests. In 2021, a panel of 16 scientists affiliated with the Cuban Academy of Sciences and convened by the Cuban government reported that, quote, the narrative of the mysterious syndrome is not scientifically acceptable in any of its components, end quote. The panel addressed the microwave hypothesis directly, writing, quote, no known form of energy can selectively cause brain damage with laser-like spatial accuracy under the conditions described for the alleged incidents in Havana. So, no known form of energy, I mean, known to them, who knows what our government knows about. We may have some insane stuff, and Russia might too. Yeah. At the request of the U.S. government, University of Pennsylvania researchers examined 21 affected diplomats posted to Cuba, and the preliminary results were published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in March 2018. The researchers found no evidence of white matter tract abnormalities in affected diplomats, or a new syndrome in the diplomats that resembles persistent concussion. While some of those affected recovered swiftly, others had symptoms for months. The study concluded that the diplomats appeared to have sustained injury to widespread brain networks. The editorial board of the journal Cortex published an editorial referring to this research as gross methodological flaws and registering concern that it had been published. In response to a December 2017 State Department request, 
The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention conducted a Cuba Unexplained Events investigation. The two-year investigation of the medical records of 95 U.S. diplomats and family members in Havana who reported symptoms resulted in a final report marked for official use only dated December 2019. In January of 2021, both BuzzFeed News and George Washington University's National Security Archive obtained the report pursuant to a Freedom of Information Act request. The CDC developed a case definition of the Havana syndrome, consisting of a biphasic or two-stage syndrome. The first phase of symptoms, sometimes closely after an auditory or sensory event, consisted of one or more of the following symptoms, head pressure, disorientation, nausea or headache, vestibular disturbance, or auditory or visual syndromes. The second phase of symptoms occurred later, sometime later, whatever. The second phase of symptoms occurring sometime later consisted of cognitive deficits, inner ear disturbances, or both. The report concluded of the 95 persons whose medical records CDC evaluated, 15 had illnesses that met the criteria for a presumptive case definition. CDC classified 31 others as possible cases and the remaining 49 as not likely to be a case. Two years later, six of the subjects in the CDC investigation were still being rehabilitated for their injuries and four were still unable to return to work. The CDC decided not to conduct a retrospective case control study because of the length of time between the event and the onset of symptoms, which could lead to a recall and selection bias that could generate misleading or obscured findings. The CDC concluded, the evaluations conducted thus far have not identified a mechanism of injury, process of exposure, effective treatment, or mitigating factor for the unexplained cluster of symptoms experienced by those stationed in Havana. And now let's talk about some of the theories about what's causing this. And some of these are very interesting. So first, uh, pulsed electromagnetic energy and ultrasound. On February 1st, 2022, a declassified U.S. intelligence report called Pulsed Electromagnetic Energy and Ultrasound Plausible Causes and said that concealable devices exist that could produce the observed symptoms. Microwaves. In 2018, Douglas H. Smith, the lead author of a University of Pennsylvania study of 21 affected diplomats in Havana published in JAMA, said in an interview that microwaves were, quote, considered a main suspect, end quote, underlying the phenomenon. A 2018 study published in the journal Neural Computation by Beatrice Alexandra Golem rejected the idea that a sonic attack was the source of the symptoms and concluded that the facts were consistent with pulsed radio frequency and or microwave radiation exposure. Golem wrote that, one, the nature of the noises the diplomats reported was consistent with sounds caused by pulsed RF or microwave via the Fry effect. Two, the signs and symptoms the diplomats reported matched symptoms from RF or microwave exposure, such as problems with sleep, cognition, vision, balance, speech, headache, sensation of pressure or vibration, nosebleeds, brain injury, or brain swelling. Ouch. In the past, the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was subjected to a microwave beam called the Moscow Signal. The Moscow Signal was inferred to be a Soviet espionage technique that might have also had health effects. 
neuroscientist Alan H. Fry, for whom the Fry effect is named, considers the microwave theory viable. In December of 2020, a study by an expert committee of the U.S. National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, commissioned by the State Department, released its report. The study concluded overall directed pulsed RF energy appears to be the most plausible mechanism in explaining these cases among those that the committee considered. But each possible cause remains speculative, and that the report should not be viewed as conclusive. Chaired by David Relman, the committee included Linda Birnbaum, Ronald Brookmeyer, Caroline Bucky, Joseph Finns, David A. Wellen, and others. The panel stated that a lack of information and direct evidence, such as medical testing data about affected persons, limited what it could conclude about explanations of the phenomenon. In a 2021 NPR interview, Relman said that the committee identified microwave radiation that occurs in a pulsed or intermittent form as the most plausible mechanism for the injuries, but it could not confidently identify any cause given the lack of direct evidence that this could explain the entire story for sure or even parts of it. That is oddly written, but that is a direct quote. Roman said that the bottom line is that this is still a perplexing story that still needs further investigation. In 2014, an unclassified NSA report indicated a hostile country in the 1990s possessed a high-powered microwave system weapon that may have the ability to weaken, intimidate, or kill an enemy over time without leaving evidence. Some scientists consider the microwave hypothesis implausible. One called the National Academy's conclusion, science fiction. All right, so let's talk about ultrasound. In March 2018, Kevin Fu and a team of computer scientists at the University of Michigan reported in a study that ultrasound, specifically intermodulation distortion from multiple and audible ultrasonic signals from malfunctioning or improperly placed Cuban surveillance equipment, could have been the origin of the reported sounds. In 2017, some U.S. personnel in Havana made audio recordings during incidents associated with Havana Syndrome, one of which was obtained by the Associated Press. The recording gives us the first tangible sense of what it was like for these American government workers in Havana who were hearing these unexplained sounds in their residences and later developed physical symptoms. Americans who heard these sounds in Havana have described slightly different sounds, and even in some of the recordings that the AP has reviewed, there are slight variations. However, this high-pitched cricket sound seems to appear in all of them. The U.S. Embassy in Havana has played these recordings for Americans who are working there so they know what to listen to. These recordings have also been reviewed by people who heard the sounds firsthand in Cuba, and they confirm that the recordings are generally consistent with what they heard. In January 2019, biologists at the University of California, Berkeley, and University of Lincoln analyzed the recordings and concluded that the sound was caused by the calling song of the Indies' short-tailed cricket. They reported the cause of the health problems reported by embassy personnel are beyond the scope of this paper and called for more rigorous research into the source of these ailments, including the potential psychogenic effects, as well as possible physiological explanations unrelated to sonic attacks. Well, I guess they're just analyzing and saying that's what the sound is on that specific yeah, that's uh, what piece I'm, of evidence. That's what I'm but, taking out to be. Yeah. And then there's also weaponized insects, which we'll talk about on a different episode. But pesticides are infectious agents. 
A 2019 study commissioned by Global Affairs Canada of 23 exposed Canadian diplomats found clinical imaging and biochemical evidence consistent with the hypothesis of overexposure to cholinesterase inhibitors. A class of neurotoxic pesticides such as organophosphates as a cause of brain injury. The embassies in other places in Cuba had been sprayed frequently as an anti-Zika virus mosquito control measure. The study concluded that other possible causes could not be ruled out. The 2020 National Academy study found that it was unlikely that acute high-level exposure to OPs and or pyrethroids contributed to the illnesses due to a lack of evidence of exposures to these pesticides or clinical histories consistent with such exposure. I would have to know where those pesticides were at. Like, I mean, if they sprayed the hotel room, you know, for bugs or something with these pesticides before the people stayed in them, I would say... Yeah, that sounds logical, but right. I, I don't see like pesticides really targeting individuals. Right. It would be like a an area thing. Right, right. After the initial reports of the incidents in Havana, the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit visited the city and came to the assessment that the individuals were experiencing a mass psychogenic illness. The Behavioral Analysis Unit profilers did not speak to any of the affected people directly, instead relying on transcripts of previous interviews that the FBI had conducted with patients. The unit reviewed the patient histories compiled by the patient's neuropsychologist and other physicians, who had already ruled out mass psychogenic illness, noting that many of the victims didn't know about the other people who were sick, and their bodies couldn't have feigned some of the symptoms they were exhibiting. In November 2018, a previously classified State Department report by the JSON Advisory Group concluded that while the cause of the condition was unknown, psychogenic effects may serve to explain important components of the reported injuries. Regini Verma, the lead author of a University of Pennsylvania study published in JAMA in 2019 that found brain differences in diplomats, concluded that based on its findings, a wholly psychogenic or psychosomatic cause was very unlikely. Verma added that she was unable to identify a cause based on brain imaging alone. In a 2019 paper, Robert Bartholomew and Robert Ballow proposed that the syndrome represents mass psychogenic illness rather than a novel clinical entity. They cite the vagueness and inconsistency of symptoms as well as the circumstances they developed in. Affected staff would have been under significant stress as the U.S. had just reopened its embassy in Cuba as a cause. Bartholomew and Ballow co-authored a book, Havana Syndrome, Mass Psychogenic Illness, and the Real Story Behind the Embassy Mystery and Hysteria, which is quite a title, <laughs> in 2020 arguing in support of their hypothesis. The 2020 National Academy's analysis appeared to show that psychological issues were not the likely cause of the injuries. The different ways people were affected left open the possible influence of psychological and social factors. The report reads... The likelihood of mass psychogenic illness as an explanation for patient symptoms had to be established from sufficient evidence and could not be inferred merely by the absence of other causal mechanisms or the lack of definitive structural injuries. And and what's that saying? It's it's just to break it down because that's a that's a a lot to try and take in. Basically what I'm reading from this is that a psychogenic illness needs to come from evidence 
as opposed to a lack of evidence for other causes. Okay. I think that's where I'm that that's that's kind of where I was thinking too. That's I'm, and I agree with that. Yeah, one of my favorite subreddits is ELI five. Explain it like I'm five. I think that mm-hmm. they explain it like I'm five definition. Like yeah. psychogenic illness comes from evidence, not from a lack of evidence for something else. Yeah. In its assessment of potential social and psychological causes, the committee notes the possibility of stress-based psychological responses and that these were more likely to be triggered by potential threats attributed to human sources than other stressors. It concludes that these could not have caused the acute audio-vestibular symptoms some patients experienced, such as sudden, unexplained sounds. The scope of the provided data limited the committee's ability to investigate psychological and social factors. Oh, so that was a lot. That's a lot. So where do you stand on Havana syndrome? I definitely think there are uh, weapons out there. For I, sure. I agree. Like 100%. I mean, we've known for a long time things like what we said at the beginning, that 19 hertz is the frequency at which the human eye vibrates. Mm-hmm. I remember watching uh, you know, some kind of special on TV a long time ago about ghosts and you know sightings and explanations where... Uh, in one particular incident, it was like a haunted lab somewhere at the uh-huh. university or hospital. And what they found was, you know, people were experiencing these sort of almost hallucinatory effects. They were seeing shadows and feeling presences and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what they found was there was some kind of exhaust fan in this lab with a bad bearing. So the fan was something mm-hmm. out of balance and was making this sort of infrasound you know, a frequency that you couldn't mm-hmm. hear, but it was, you know, causing your eyes to vibrate or whatever else was happening. And once they fixed that, they replaced that bearing, all of that stopped. Yeah. You know, that doesn't discount other experiences, but, you know, if we knew that for all these years, there's no way that governments all around yeah. the world wouldn't look to weaponize that. Absolutely. 100%. Right. There are stories of the Soviets, right? Killing people with like umbrellas and injecting them with little uh, pellets of radioactive material. Crazy stuff. Right. I mean, there, yeah, there are so many ways or bat bombs in World War II. All kinds What's of, that? Bat bombs where they would tie, they literally would tie bombs to bats and like send them to nest in the roofs of enemy buildings. Wow. And then the bombs would go off during the day when the bats were asleep. The problem was... Doc Adams has designed a purpose-built bombshell. The five-foot container will hold over a thousand bats snoozing in separate compartments on 26 trays. The bomb will be dropped from high altitude. At 4,000 feet, a barometric device deploys a parachute and the outer casing simultaneously falls away. The trays open like an accordion, freeing the bats from their compartments. Each one then acts as a launching platform, allowing the bats time to wake up. As they take flight, a hair-thin wire arms the incendiaries, primed to go off in 30 minutes. In some cases, those bats didn't go to enemy buildings. They came back to the people who sent them out, Mm -hmm. and they'd blow up their own buildings. But there are so many creative and interesting ways to cause destruction. Absolutely. I cannot even imagine that this isn't one of them. 
Well, I mean, let's face it. If you can affect somebody mentally, like you were saying with the bad bearing, I mean, that's just random. That's an accident. Just think if you really studied it and you had top scientists study it and they would come up with weapons. And I mean, we've seen that sound can actually levitate things too. Now we're talking, you know, minuscule things. I I think that they started like maybe with a dust particle or something like that and then just continued to like change the frequency and kind of up the weight. I don't know where they stopped at, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely sound weapons out there. That's a fact. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about um, out-of-body experiences recently in remote viewing Mm -hmm. and Russell Targ in I think it was Third Eye Spies, the like documentary film. I haven't seen I'm it. I'm fairly certain it was in that that he was talking about the government developing a heart attack gun. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like essentially a weapon that would induce a heart attack in somebody that would look more or less natural. And I think they did this in like the 60s or 70s. Especially if it's a frequency that you can't hear, then there's going to be no, if it's targeted, there's going to be, you know, no collateral damage really unless you know you hit one of the diplomats kids or something like that but you know these people don't care who they hurt right right just a day at the job for them just point a energy weapon at people and because essentially sound is energy i mean it's not the same as electricity or i guess whatever direct energy weapon would be using plasma or something very effective and probably very easy to hide or it's not like it's going to be a tank out there with a speaker on the end of the gun blasting so very discreet i I guess that about wraps it up i really don't have anything else to say about it I, i mean god help the families of the people lost at the astro world event it was a sickening display if you ask me you know, if you if you decide that you want to try binaural beats, it's not medical advice. Talk to your doctor just to make sure it's okay. You never know. I mean, if somebody needs hearing aids or has tinnitus or something like that, especially it could be, you know, irritating or worse. But we talked about Havana syndrome. I, I'm also thinking of something I did a while ago, like years ago. I think um, uh, I wired a pair of speakers wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I had the polarity reversed. I, I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but essentially the wires mm-hmm. were reversed. Like positive and negative were reversed on one of them. Yeah. And it caused, if you sat in just the right spot, like if you sat off to the side, you wouldn't notice that anything was wrong. But if you sat right in between them, I think it's that binaural effect that we were mm-hmm. talking about. It, it had this really strange, almost psychoactive effect. I mean, these are big speakers. It's not like it's a little, you know, desktop computer speakers or something like that. This was like equipment that, you know, wasn't clearly marked. And I was like, all right, I got to sit in between them and see if I can tell the difference and figure out if one of them's wired up wrong and one of them was. But it just, it was so bizarre and disorienting. I mean, if you can do that by accident with a Marantz receiver and a couple old German speakers, then yeah. I think you're definitely right. There's no way that there, there isn't some you know covert sort of sound weapon out there somewhere. The spy walks out of the house like, all right, uh, keys, wallet, like headache yeah. gun. Okay, good to go. 
Well, I mean, if you think about it, you know, we talked about the uh, smoke alarms just being so offensive that you have to get out of there. It's the same thing with something as simple as feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, you stick a microphone in front of a speaker and we all know what it sounds like. It's awful. Thanks for joining us tonight on Cryptique. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button and tell a friend. Send us case suggestions at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Check out Movie Howl in the loading bar if you're in our area and have pleasant dreams. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. We sound bombing them, baby.